Who the bloody hell's that? Should indeed. You're listening to the Corona Diaries, a sometimes random and often irreverent attempt to understand the psyche of singer Steve Hogarth. Hello and welcome to chapter 59 of the Corona Diaries. And um, we're running a bit behind this morning, aren't we, uh, H? A little behind. Uh, you've, you've got men in. I found that as I've got older. Um, men in my little behind. Indeed. <laughs> Pornographer. <laughs> <laughs> I have got. I've got the painters in. Yes. Pornographer. <laughs> I'll get a sample. I can do it. pornographer. <laughs> just fuck. That that probably has to be the T-shirt, doesn't it? <laughs> that probably has to be the T-shirt. Well, yeah, we've got a, what a room full of possibles. Uh, yeah, but so we're running a bit late, and we've got loads to do. We've got to crack on as well. We've got this, and we've got a Q and A, and all sorts to do. Boss, exclamation mark. That that would be the one. <laughs> I've lost him again. I've lost him again. Right, well, well while you're contemplating T-shirts, I'll do a quick bit of housekeeping. And I've got gardeners. to say... You've got a gardener's in, hasn't it? Sorry. Yeah, garden, gardeners. Well. And, and a guy with a patio. Yes. It's one of them weeks. One of them weeks. One of them weeks. Um, I've got to say that I called Shane Sean last week. So Sean didn't ask a question, Shane did. So sorry, Shane. And I know it's Shane. I don't know why I said Sean, but I said Shane. And I said um, I said McKee, and it's Mackay. So I got it all wrong. Right. So uh, apologies. I'm not feeling as bad about the McKee, Mackay bit, because mm. I, I can go either way on that. But I definitely should have got Shane rather than Sean. So sorry, mm. Shane. Uh, I, I will make more effort next time. Um, the one thing that's gone down really well is the idea of doing a TCD during the Village Idiots cricket match. You can all fuck off. <laughs> it's what your public was that, wants. Was that strong enough? <laughs> it's what your public wants. It's I've not. already arranged for Boycott and Aggers to come down and help me on presenting duties. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> anyway, we've also had a few questions come um, about that I need to talk about before we start. So, Darren Gray... There's a name fairly easy to get right. The picture um, of Darren. He had a question about live recordings. How much overdubbing, comping or re-recording takes place on live recordings? On live recordings? On live recordings. Um, well, I don't know that I'm at liberty to say. <laughs> um, There's the answer then. Not, nothing on the lead vocal normally. Um right. I can't speak for other other members of the band. You'd have to use your intuition to right, guess okay. that for yourself. I'll have to ask them individually. <laughs> if you've ever seen us play live, 
and anyone's made a mistake or or things have gone off altogether, uh, those things might then have to be replaced. Mm. Uh, but I couldn't possibly comment further. Right. Well, let me ask you another question then. <laughs> let me expand on the question and see if I can really get you into hot water. <laughs> so if you were to, to, to mess about with a live recording, <laughs> right, just for argument's sake, <laughs> would it be an overdub, which would effectively would mean somebody going in and playing the part after the event on top, or would it be a comp, i.e. you might nick a bit from a different show and replace it? So it's still live but it's not necessarily from the same night. Right, I'm with you. Well, well, we've recently had um, a chap called Stephen W. Taylor who's, who's remixed uh, Holidays in Eden, and he's also mixed um, the Hammersmith Odeon show from that tour. Right. And we did give him access to lots of other nights so that if, something wasn't happening or there was a technical issue um you know he'd got alternatives so he could fly alternatives in from different live performances so there weren't any overdubs done on it but there might have been times when you know when i've listened to the his mix and gone oh shit have you an alternative middle eight for waiting to happen or something uh, just have a look because, uh, you know, I might have been singing it a bit off mic or it, it just might have been, you know, off pitch or whatever. Mm. Um, and he's gone and found one and gone, was this one better, you know, and thrown one in from another night. And, and I think he's probably done that across the board of different instruments depending on... I mean, sometimes when you're recording live because you've just got that one shot as it happens occasionally there'll be technical problems if something just happens to go Mm. you know on something then um, if you've got alternatives you can go and find a clean one and throw it in you know so it's tinkered with a bit but not it's not like we've gone into the taken it into a studio and replaced it we haven't done that right and I think that does that does get to the that does answer the question. So you might you might do bits of effectively comping, because to your point, a comp a comp is the best of a group of you know you might do six vocal passes in the studio and pick the best one. You, same thing, you've got effectively six passes at something because you might have done six nights and you and you yeah you, maybe not that the, many, but yeah no, you've, you've you've got in, in more theory. than one yeah, to choose theory. from. It's you're usually quite limited. Because with live recordings as well, there's the issue of the ambience from the room and spill. So if you replace something with something from another night, you might put it in there only to find that it doesn't work Mm. because it's flamming with all the ambience and, Mm. you know, it all goes to hell. So you might get lucky uh, and it it might be dry enough at source for you to get away with it. Um, so those things are a bit of a lottery as to whether or yeah. not you can use them. But that's kind. Of, but if you're going to do anything, that's kind of what you what you would do. Yeah. Right. Okay, Darren. I'm hoping that answers the question. Um, I've got one other question, and this has got nothing to do with what we talked about last week. But uh, Edward Martin contacted me on Facebook, 
And it appears like Edwin's been in... Uh, sorry, not Edwin, Edwin, I'm getting names wrong today. Edward appears like he's been in misery for 20 years. In fact, oh. it's longer than 20 years. It's 30 years that he's been in misery. He's Must be married. He's, <laughs> well, I'm not going to pass comment. I'm joking, of course. Uh, actually, I could be perfectly honest because Alison doesn't listen to this. Um, he <laughs> saw you on TVAM in 1990. Oh, yes. Right. Well, that's and you going to make you miserable. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and you were on with the lovely Lorraine Kelly. Oh, yes. Uh, Lorraine is properly lovely. Yes, yes. Well, and she must be because the word lovely now has to be put in front of her name whenever you say it. No, I thought she was delightful when I met her. So she, she was lovely and she was looking resplendent in yellow. So, um, and you were on there and you, you'd got the gloves. You mm. were showing off the gloves. Mm. And... Mark was away uh, to the side on the keyboard and you played a little bit of music. You played a little bit of something that literally lasts about five or ten seconds. Oh, yeah. Okay. Now, Edward thinks this was planned or scripted and that that piece of music has stuck in his head for all of that time. And he wanted to know two things. One, was it something that then reappeared somewhere else or was referenced or anything as a reason why that piece of music stuck in his head? And two, wait for it, because he's not much of an ask this, could you recreate it on the Croomcast? <laughs> now, I've um, got video of this, so I can share it with you. Right. So we might have to come back to this at a little bit later, or we could maybe come back to it at the end of the episode when you've had a chance to watch the video. It's but not that bit out of splintering heart, is it? With a putting, 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 putting. I didn't. Putting. I didn't think it was. Oh, okay. Um, I, I really can't remember. So you, no. Yeah, right. Well, I'll ping you the clip. Uh, so Edward, I've, we've had the conversation. I'm going to ping H the clip, and then we'll see if we can come back to it and whether it's even something he could recreate for the Croomcast. This um, properly out of control now, isn't it? Well, that's the other thing that seems to be coming across in the Getting comments. Requests. The croon, it's been <laughs> elevated to the point where actually no, I think people fast forward the talking now <laughs> just to get to the Start last thirty the seconds. Cast, work backwards. Yeah, I don't think they're bothered about the rest of it. Um, so the Croomcast is getting out of out of control. Yeah. So I'll, I'll ping you this over and you can have a look and see if you... It does sound, to be fair, it does sound like something you might have jammed. It sounds too, It doesn't sound like something you did on the spot. So we might right. be right. but And you might be able to place it and, and, right. and, and say what it turned out to be. So there we are, Edward. That's the, that's the start on that one. Right. So my questions for today, my topic for today is set lists. Mm. Okay. And the reason why I want to talk about set lists is because I was looking up the set list. So we're just about to go, um, you're just about to go on the Afraid of Sunlight tour in the diary. We, mm. we're, we're close to being starting the tour in the diary. And I've got the set list for um, the tour. Mm -hmm. uh, which looks like it must be about right because the ones I've found that appear to be the, the founts appear to be the same through the entire tour. So I, I think that's probably probably right. right. So my question to you is, how do you start to compile a set list? Now I know it's different for something like Brave because you made the decision to do the album in its entirety, and then obviously you you the you add you know a half an hour encore extended encore to shove a few bangers in and get the room bouncing. But if we take the AOS set list, and I'll quickly run through it for you, I'm going to start with questions of how do you even start to put this together? So you opened with Incommunicado. Oh, you went straight into Hooks in You. 
You then played Gaspacho and Beautiful. Right. Hotel Hobbies, White Russian. Easter. Right. Wave Mad the Opium Dem, Standing in the Swing. Hard as Love. Hollow Man. Kaylee, Lavender and Part of Bittersweet. Afraid of Sunlight. Cannibal Surf Babe. Cover My Eyes. Slange. And you finished with King before you got to the encores. Now, first, the first thing that struck me is, bloody hell, that's a long set list. Yeah, they often are. That is, um, that, well, particularly when you come back and do two encores and you start encore, the first encore is Splinter and Heart, No One Can and The Great Escape, and then you finish with Uninvited Guest and Garden Party. That, right. is a, that is a hell of a show. That's a workout. That yeah. is a proper, proper workout. For a zinger. Okay. So, and, and, I, and I don't know if this set list is somewhere in the midpoint because there's still quite a lot of, I mean, obviously, we're on album four with you, and yet there's still quite a lot of album one to four material mm. in that. So I don't know when that started to drop off. But where was that from? Do you know? Uh, well, they all appear to from, be the same. I've got it, it from Setlist FM, but that's a UK gig. That was Shepherd's Bush Empire. I was at that gig. Okay. Um, and it seems to feel about right. I remember Gaspacho being the first song of the new album. I remember the things that you didn't play. I remember you didn't play uh, Afraid of Sunrise. You didn't play um, Beyond, you. Beyond You. And you didn't um, play Out of This World. Hmm. So so it, it, it feels about right in terms of what I remember from the, the gig. I remember Cannibal Surf Babe being fairly late in the gig. Uh, I remember you finishing with King, um, but the, where, what, when I looked at that set list, I looked and went, "Well, that's interesting." Because I mean, in Communicado, wouldn't norm, you know, normally I would have expected that to come at the end. Same with Hooks in You, and yet Slange is right near the end, and a lot of the time Slange will come near the, near the beginning. So, so how do you how do you go about doing it? I think it's um, it's it's a really inexact science I mean, to, to some extent you start the tour with one plan and then you panic um you know and the, the first show goes down like a lead balloon because you've you've been too indulgent and so then you panic and you go oh we better throw a couple of high energy ones in to get started you uh you, you know so the, the 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 crowd's in the in the groove before you hit them with anything they haven't heard before, you know, that might be might be alien. Um, so that's probably why we went with a couple of old bangers. <laughs> <laughs> um, just to get everything going um, before Some... we eased ourselves into gazpacho, which is a bit, if you've never heard it before, or even if you've only heard it a couple of times, it is a bit of a, oh, my God, what's all this? Um, so perhaps that was the reason. Um, back in those days, I think we would have... Did we start a Fred of Sunlight tour in America? I, I think you did. I ah, think you did. Right, okay. Well, there you go. I've had a, I've had a flash of... Um, you know, I've had a short, I've had a short circuit, a little bit, a little spark gone between my neurons, um, because I think we started in Washington D.C. in a funny little club, and 
I think we did panic. We probably started with the dispatcher. We probably had a whole load of new music. Uh, we probably put the set together for the most part from um, from Afraid of Sunlight with, you know, that section of Brave and then maybe some highlights, some season's end and a couple of old ones. And it might have been too much for the Americans and, and we felt like we hadn't gone down very well. And I think John Arneson was there in, in Washington and I, I, I seem to remember him saying, there's too much new stuff, you've got to throw some old ones in. Um, so I think we panicked and that might explain why there were these old songs peppered through the set. And Once we'd put those in, I think we found we'd got a balance between the old and the new and, and uh, yeah, having something to stir the crowd up a bit periodically in between all the the new stuff the art um i think that's what must have happened and then and then having got arrived probably fairly quickly at that mix we probably just kept it for the entire tour because in those days we we didn't vary the, the set much at all um the band used to freak out every time the set was messed with. It used to mess with everybody's heads. Um, as time's gone by, also, also the, the programming of the keyboards in those days was a bit more rigid than it mm. is these days. Um, once you got the bloody things to work, everybody was petrified to tinker with it. It's like, you know, if we change the order of the songs it'll all fall over and it always used to and then it'll take us another five gigs till we've stabilised that. Um, but more recently, they're behaving a lot better. The band are a bit more relaxed and a bit more happy to just, oh, sod it, let's throw that in, let's do that, let's do this. So in more recent times, we tend to decide on a core set um, all the absolutely must be in the show sort of numbers mm -hmm. and then have a load of floaters that can float in and out from one night to another. So we'll rehearse We'll rehearse more than we're going to play. Um, it's not as nuts as the H Natural where I rehearse about five times as much as I'm going <laughs> to play and then don't play any of it. <laughs> um, with With the band... We'll have we'll have maybe ten core songs and five floaters, mm. and we'll go. Well, what are we going to do tonight? Let's throw this. Let's take that out and throw this in, and that keeps that achieves two things. It stops us getting bored with the set uh, because on a on a long tour, but you not boredom, but but automation sort of sets in, and you find yourself occasionally going through the motions and you've got to try and prevent that and also we've got the kind of fan base now that comes to so many shows we start getting a hate mail because they've seen the same show four times we all we think well it's not our fault <laughs> we didn't ask you to come to all of them um for the record jimmy carr doesn't change it up every night it's the same <laughs> jokes you go oh, twice no. it's the same jokes well, I went to see Macca with my mother years ago and couldn't believe 
could not believe that every little ad lib and every quip and everything he said from when he walked on to when he walked off was identical on two different shows. And they weren't even consecutive shows. We saw him and then we saw him again four or five nights later and it was um, was an Andy Warhol lithograph of the previous one. Um, See, at least you don't do that. Nobody knows what you're going to say next. No, no, nobody knows what I'm going to say, most of all me. Um, I kind of quite, I've got the Bob Monkhouse alarm that, that, that if I feel... If I feel I'm being insincere, you know, it keeps me awake. Uh, it it bothers me. I I I don't. It was a shame that yeah, because the the first time I saw that Mac uh, that McCartney um, tour, I thought it was brilliant. I really thought it was brilliant. And then the second time, with it being identical, it took the shine off it somehow. Mm. Um, because it it was um, it was mass produced, I guess. So so it, it it's nice to know that if you go and see an artist, Crowded House are an excellent example. You go and see Crowded House, especially back in the days when Paul Hester was drumming. Um, they deliberately just used to mess about. Mm. I saw them at Aston Villa Leisure Centre once. And they got halfway through the show and Neil Finn noticed there was a big clock on the on the wall. And he said, we're going to finish tonight's show at exactly five past 11. And it got to, you know, they came out and did the encores and it got, it got to about three minutes past 11 and they got to the last chord and they kept it going for two minutes. <laughs> well, looking at everybody looking at the clock. Until, until, until the big hand hit five past and then bam, thank you, good night. That's brilliant. And and I saw him again in um, at the town and country, what is now the Forum in, uh, in London, and uh, they went down so well. They'd all gone off and they'd unplugged the equipment and everything and pe- nobody would moved and they were still, still chanting for an encore. And... And then one of them reappeared. I think it might have been the bass player, Nick. Reappeared in a bathrobe, wet through. And he was obviously just out the shower. And he was on his own. And he just sort of reappeared at the side of the stage. Everybody started clapping. And he he put a bass on and his roadies switched all his stuff back on and plugged it back in. And then and then Neil appeared and then and then Paul appeared. And they all they were all in bathrobes wet through. So they were all out in the shower. And they did another 15 minutes in towels, which was incredible, you know. So it's nice to know um, a band is capable of that. Okay. You know, and it's that real. Okay. I, I, I'm not going to suggest that you should mimic that one identically. No, although I have been called back. For for encores on the odd occasion, when I've been in the shower, and I've had to get out, get dry, put my clothes back on, and go back on, that has that has happened in Montreal and places like that. Well, going back to the set list, you you're exactly right, and and this is must be a first for us. You you, you are exactly right because I found the set list for Washington. 
And you did open with King. Right. And it says acoustic intro here. So I don't know what that means. Mm. Uh, and you went King, Gaspacho, Cannibal Surf Bay, Beautiful. And then you went Runaway, Goodbye to All That Wave Mad, The Opium Den, Slide, Standing in the Swing, Hard as Love, Hollow Man, Alone Again in the Lap of Luxury. And then you played Out of This World, interestingly, AOS, and didn't get to Easter until track 17. Yeah, this this was, I mean, that sounds fantastic to me. It sounds like the kind of set list that I wrote. <laughs> uh, but it went down like a lead balloon and we all panicked and, you know, we, we better, we better, too much art, man. Not <laughs> enough, much. Uh, Not enough old bangers. And you kept it the same the next night. So the next night, which was Philly, you kept it the same in Philly. So it hadn't changed on the second night. So let's see the point at which it changed. You were in Boston on the third night. Um, nobody, Nobody's actually got, there's no set list for that. Right. New, New Haven, Connecticut. So by Connecticut, by night four, it had changed. Right. And it totally pretty right. much then looks like what went all the way through. Yeah, we must have had a crisis meeting. We're kind of, oh, shit, this isn't going down as well as we normally expect. Something's got to be done. Must have been, we must have had a meeting. It didn't happen after Washington. I, I assumed it happened after night one, but we're, maybe maybe John said something after night one and we all ignored him because we used to. <laughs> And then by night four, we, we probably had one of those, he's right, you know, <laughs> meetings and uh, and changed it all. Or maybe maybe you all agreed on night one he was right, but you weren't bloody well changing it till night four. Yeah, it was too scary. We probably needed a day off for the sort of four hours of keyboard reprogramming. Key, keyboard, yeah. Back in those days. Well, it, it had changed by the 7th. We don't know what had happened on the 4th in Boston. So it might be, looking at what you just said, it might be that Boston might have been the same set list as you started with and that three-day gap might have been the change point. Right. Uh, but I'm only surmising there about what you've just said about programming because the other dates, by the looks of things, were all um, consecutive. Let's have a look. Yeah, 2nd, 3rd and 4th. So Washington, um, Philly and Boston were all on consecutive nights, but there's a reasonable amount of distance between those places. So you, I can't imagine you had a lot of time. No. Um, no I, so it I, might I it might have been that remember. Uh, when you the three days you had in between um, Boston and Connecticut, because Connecticut, Boston, Connecticut, it's not not that far, is it? So you'll have had time. Yeah, I've no idea. All I know about Boston is I was once left outside the gig by Paul Lewis while he took Ian back to the hotel because he was grumpy. And I was left wet through in the the street uh, and it was like minus three. Uh, I nearly froze to death. And then that's what happens in Boston in the winter. In the summer... Um, there's it's boiling hot in the gig because it's summer, and there's an air conditioning unit on that gig in the Paradise Theatre that is right. The outlet is right over the centre mic position, so that blows out freezing air on top of me all night, which really pisses me off and freaks me out because I think I'm going to get a cold. Um, 
So one way or another, you, as a singer, you freeze to death in in Boston, wasn't it? Yeah. Off stage, on stage, winter, summer. Such a shame because it's such a great city. Oh, it is. Dear. It is, and bring me the largest lobster in the house. That, those are my memories. <laughs> Even of, memories of Boston. <laughs> lobster, lobster, <laughs> lobster, lobster, yeah. I know. <laughs> I know, we need to do something with that as well. So going back to set lists, so actually what was interesting about the, the AOS set, when you go to the Washington set list, very little pre-H um, material then. I think the first the first... Yeah, I think probably right towards the end of the set. I think Slange was in there, and I think um, Heart of Lothian was was in there, and Garden Party, and that was it. Mm. Um, but obviously, that got that got moved around a little bit for something that. And I can see why you'd made that decision in 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 the US, but obviously, then you just you just stuck with it, just stuck with it all the way through, and just then said, right, okay, well, we might as well. It's working. We're we're in a groove. Let's just let's just go with exactly. it. Exactly. I think I think that was the feeling that we we'd got it balanced out. It was doing a job. Let's not mess with it. Mm. Um, if it ain't broke and all that, yeah, don't don't fix it. Don't but, mess with but, it. But um, later on, we found that. Our fans were, how can I put it, more broad-minded, I suppose, more more used to the fact that we might do anything and, mm. and that they, they'd go with it uh, and more invested in all the, mus- all the new music. As time passed, people became more and more invested in, in the new stuff. Um, they still like to hear the old... Classics. They like to hear Slange or they like to hear Garden Party rolled out because the all a lot of those old songs have got an energy mm. that our new stuff kind of doesn't have. Mm. Um, a lot of high energy stuff on the new on the new album. Actually, oh, okay. What we're working on at the moment um, might might come in handy. That's actually a really that's a really good point because you know you look at something like Garden Party and it is high energy, um, and yet okay, I'd say Hooks and You is high energy. Um, but if you go if you go through the albums, that you're right. There's not a lot of real real high energy stuff there, is there? Uh, I mean, between between you and me, always is always I thought was a high energy tune. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and, and it was a song that you could play towards the end of a. a but you're talking about things to plonk in at the end, aren't you? You're talking about real party songs to drop in at, towards the end or in encores. Exactly. And there was always a feeling, I think, that Hooks and You and Cover My Eyes were a bit poppy, mm. uh, whereas something like Garden Party's a bit more quirky. Mm. It's got a great lyric. Mm. I mean, it's, you know, it's, say, it's really saying something, mm. Garden Party, lyrically from start to finish. So it feels more substantial than Hooks in You. I mean, just about anything feels more substantial <laughs> than Hooks in You. <laughs> so, you know, when you've got all that stuff to choose from, mm. you want to play the things that do a job but at the same time have got substance. Mm. Um, so that's kind of been the dilemma over the years. Um, all the stuff we've done since fish left that are really substantial are usually quite deep and mm. um 
they're either slow or they're really a journey. Like, um, well, anything, really. This strange engine or out of this world. They're deep and they're substantial, but they're, they're not toe-tapping, jump around, hey, no. let's all party down to out of this world. Let's all party down to ocean cloud. There's moments in this strange engine that you can jump about to, you know, and there's things like King, which are absolutely huge, but they're not toe tappers. No, it's not. No, it's not garden party. It's not, I mean, Incommunicado is another great example, isn't it? Because because that's that drops into that kind of end of end of show energy, you know, um, interest interesting lyric um, sort of vibe, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, yes. So that's kind of how. But over the years, we've found that we've got enough. We've got enough of a, a sweep now of of music that we can we can pull something out. Mm. Let's throw let's throw Mad in or something mm. because it's really frenetic. Mm. Um, and yet, if you throw Mad into a set on its own. It does a job, but there there is a kind of a what the hell was all that about feeling yeah. after it, because it's not in context. It's like the orgasm without the sex. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't get pornographers. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've just got the title for the episode: pornographers. <laughs> Not quite sure how the crooncast's gonna tie in, but I'll leave it with you. Yes. <laughs> no, that's 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 really interesting. In in which case, then one question for me because I love the original of this track. I I love the uh, the album version of this track. Answering machine could could sit at the end of a gig. That's got energy. That's high tempo, mm. and that doesn't get a run out very often. It doesn't. Uh, the band had a bit of a downer on it. Uh, I think they, I think it was too punky for them. I think, uh, oh, isn't that just a lot of noise? They always say. Um, but maybe it needs rehabilitating. Hmm. I was listening to it the other day. I was. It's, in fact, it's on my running mix. The uh, Mike's remix is on my is on my running mix, and it's a great tune. It's. A, I, mm. I, I, lo- I loved it the first time I heard it. I loved it from the first time I heard it. Original original version. Because I'm not one of these people that really dislikes the original Radiation mix. I like it. Um, so I've, I liked it in its original form, but I like Mike's remix as well. Right. Uh, well, but it, I think Answering Machine just hits really hard. It's just like, bang. Yeah. It's great. You know. Uh, and I don't see what's different between that and, say, between you and me, if I'm being honest. But then maybe that's just me. Yeah. Well, if anything, it's a better lyric. Hmm. Yeah, it's a great lyric. Right. Well, I'm I'm... I'm I'm pitching for that then. So what, next time you do a set list and you need something, a bit of a up-tempo bit of noise at the end, I'm pitching for that. All righty. I'm right. going to put that message to the... Uh, <laughs> you're not a Christian surrounded by lions. <laughs> How yeah. about... Rawr! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'll be the end of my relationship with the rest of the band. But there we are. <laughs> uh, bits of right. bristle and bone left. <laughs> should we should we go for a bit of diary? Well, why not? Why not? Where am I? 
Well, you, you're doing a bit more of this promo lark. I think you you do Nottingham, then I think you end up in North Wales. Uh, um, North I think it was Flint actually. Oh, North Wales was there? Was there a wedding on? This is there was this, a there was a wedding on. There was a wedding on bell, at the hotel. Yeah, yes, that was a strange. It was a nice day, <laughs> sunny, uh, but a very strange. You know, doing finding yourself at a wedding when you're on yeah. a promo trip. <laughs> then you're a rock club. Then you nip to Liverpool because oh, yeah. you can in the oh, same yeah. evening. Oh, you must. Uh, uh, it appears, and then pop back, and then you go to South Shields of all places. Oh, that was hysterical. We were above a fish and chip shop, I remember that, me and Mark. That was very strange, strange. Uh, right on the sea we were. Yeah. It was like a sort of, I don't know, Blackpool after the bomb, it was. Um, yes, yeah, so it would be interesting returning, returning to, to that. I, mean, I thought... That, Reading last week's, I could see how exhausted I was. I was absolutely yeah. on my knees the whole time, trying desperately to sleep. And every every time I built an hour in to have a lie down, something would prevent it. Um, that was knackering. I mean, sometimes it it, it can be insanely tiring, um, especially when you're building your career and you're trying to get something going the um, the promotion aspect. I mean, if you're fortunate enough to be able to, to be offered TV, for instance, I'd got a very dear friend called Brian Leach um, who was um, a lighting designer and he, he was, he'd been doing lights for Coldplay when they were on the way up. And he said, we'd be on stage somewhere in America and we'd be getting off stage off stage and out of the gig at half past one in the morning and they'd want Chris Martin in, in a in a TV studio at 6.30 to, to, to plug the record because they you know they were on the way up and they were hip and they were the happening band Chris did all the promotion um, and he barely slept and he was on his knees the whole time you know Get, get back from a gig, sung out, rung out, washed out, into bed, out of bed at the before the crack of dawn to get in a car and go to a TV studio. And you, they usually want you there two hours before you open your mouth with television. They, they want to run through things. And then you're probably only talking for 10 minutes, <laughs> but it's four hours out of your day to do it and then they'd be going and doing a show that day as well so it can be really brutal mm. well let's get to that bit because it's quite an entertaining few days i read it this morning i thought it was quite amusing uh, i'll have a couple of questions uh for when we come back um okay, but I'll, okay. I'll i'll leave you to to travel first to, to nottingham back to back to your 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 university uh, your university town always a pleasure here we go Friday, 30th of June, home, Nottingham. It was one of the hottest days for several years. I had spent the latter part of the afternoon defrosting our old freezer on the lawn 
and was still breaking the ice off it as Ian and Tim appeared through the garden gate at 7.30. They sat in the garden chatting to Dizzy and the children while I staggered into the house with the freezer, which will remain under the stairs until I can dispatch it to the racket club next week. Tonight we are to make another personal appearance at Rock City, Nottingham's famous rock club, which opened back in the 70s, just after I finished at college there. We said our goodbyes, fortunately I'll be back on Monday, makes a change, and drove the one-hour drive up to Nottingham, arriving around 8.30. On the way, I opened a couple of letters that had come through the office. One was an invitation to a garden party held next week at St Giles College, Oxford. That might be fun. I had also received a letter from Darren in Luton, who sounds like quite a character writing to me about his life, his band and his family. A tragic story in many aspects, but written with great honesty and unique humour. I'll try and find ten minutes to write back. The Royal Moat House Hotel was already teeming with people out on the town for a Friday night. A girl called Emma, I thought I'd better ask, came across reception and kissed me as I was checking in. Bloody hell, welcome to Nottingham. She didn't know who I was, she just decided to kiss someone. I dropped the bags in my room and said hi to John and Aaron who were sitting in the restaurant. Q magazine have given the album a four-star review. Not bad. Brave only got three. I was outraged. Nothing in the music business makes any sense to me. Returned to my room and set up my CD player and speakers. Listened to Jeff Buckley's Grace album, A Gem. We all met up in reception at 11.15 to go just around the corner to the club. Steve Rothery, Ian and I were representing the band. Pete is on holiday and Mark is still recovering from a minor hospital operation. We sat upstairs behind a trestle table and signed posters and CD sleeves just as we had last Saturday in Birmingham. It turned into a long evening. The Marlborough Cigarettes sale team were working the club as well. Some of the boys in the band had bumped into them on the last tour in a hotel in Newcastle and they invited us back to their hotel for a drink. I got sloshed and played the piano until it was light. I returned across Nottingham on foot as I had so many times before the crack of various dawns in 76 and 77 on my way from the Broadmarsh bus station to catch the 31 bus to Mapperley by the Market Square. The weather had turned much colder. I was going to regret not bringing a jacket with me on this trip. Hit the bed running, hoping to God no one would disturb a crucial morning's sleep. Sunday, 1st of July. Nottingham to Flint with two Fs. I was woken by the grinding sounds of workmen drilling in an adjoining room. How do they know? This was around ten. Ian later told me it had started at seven. I managed to ignore it and drift in and out of sleep until I gave up around 11.45. Phoned Tim and Ian and asked if they fancied going out for a spot of lunch. We agreed to meet up at 12.30 and I took them for a walk past my old college and to the Arboretum in the park where we ordered cheeseburgers, chips and coffee, which we ate while overlooking the park. To my surprise, the Pink Floyd live album was being played over the PA system. 
This is a student pub, so I would have expected Elastica. We walked back through the park, stopping by the birdhouse at Ian's request. He has a long-standing affinity with birds, especially parrots. We returned to the hotel and checked out to drive to Flint, which is in North Wales, somewhere near Liverpool. And no, I'm not sure why we're going there either. I slept for much of the journey. Tim got a bit lost during his attempts to take the route across country from Derby to Stoke-on-Trent. When I woke, we were somewhere near Chester, ten or so miles from Flint, with two Fs. Phew. A hinterland of power stations under construction. It has to be said that Flint seemed somewhat grim, but as we followed directions to our hotel, the road opened up into rolling countryside and we eventually found the Green Lodge, a motel that consists of a quadrangle of buildings that reminded me of Rockfield Studios in Monmouth. As we stumbled out of the minibus, it became apparent that the hotel was host to a wedding party. I was immediately invited to kiss the bride for a photograph. That's two days in a row I've been kissed as I've got out of the bus. It's a dirty job, but someone's got to do it. The bride and groom invited us into their reception for a drink. I had a Bacardi and Coke and ordered up strawberries and cream, which I later ate outside in the courtyard while tapping away at the laptop on this journal. It's Wimbledon week at the moment. I moved the TV in my room so I could watch the end of an Agassiz qualifier from the bath and soaked my bones for a while. Heaven. At 8.15, we left to drive to another rock club, the Tivoli, in nearby Buckley. We were ushered upstairs by the owner, Howard, who gave us a drink and told us he'd also advertised our appearance at Liverpool's Crazy House, which he also owns, later tonight. Fair enough. Ian and I went downstairs and watched the kids jumping around on the dance floor for a while before making our way to the designated corner of the club to sign posters and CD sleeves for whoever was interested. There was quite a lot of them and it took an hour or so before we were finished and set off again to Liverpool. When we arrived at the crazy house, I was tempted to go out for a wander. We were only round the corner from Par Street and the stomping ground of pubs and bars I know so well. We were all hungry, so we sent out for tuna sandwiches. But at 11.30 on a Saturday night in Liverpool, it's a tall order. And the runner came back with fish cakes and chips. Never mind. We went downstairs and signed posters, etc. Someone told me his wife fancies me and that he was prepared to make an exception in my case. I told him she wouldn't if she'd met me. She probably thinks I'm six foot two. At least he hadn't brought me her underwear. A couple of the local wide boys were leering in the background and shouting for fish. I've often wondered whether fish has to put up with tossers shouting Hogarth at him. I hope not. I went downstairs to have a look at the dance floor and remembered seeing Dr Fibes and the House of Wax Equations here back in 93. I wonder what happened to them. I didn't see anyone I knew. All these rock clubs are similar. Everything is black inside. The boys wear ripped jeans, junkyard boots and T-shirts proclaiming the advantages of death or grave digging. The girls wear cheesecloth tie-dye, morticia makeup and Doc Martens. On the whole, they all look like vampires, but when you talk to them, they're complete sweeties. I'd have this lot any day in preference to the smart set. 
Someone said the new album had been favourably reviewed in the NME. Knocked me down with half a feather. I'll believe it when I see it. We made our way back to the hotel, arriving at two. Everyone had gone home apart from the newlyweds who were still in the bar, still in their wedding clothes. Tim and Ian accepted their offer of a last drink. I made my excuses and went off to bed. I was desperate for some sleep. Tuesday, 2nd of July. Flint to South Shields. Got up around 12, put Jeff Buckley on, showered and then made my way to the breakfast room. Tim and Ian emerged at exactly the same time and we walked across the rose-bordered courtyard into the main building. The French Grand Prix was just starting so we watched the first few laps before we called upstairs for Sunday lunch. We all had lamb and Yorkshire puds. By the time we got back down to the TV room, Michael Schumacher had the whole thing wrapped up. Packed and called home, no one was in, so I left a message. We set off around 2.30 for the four-hour journey to the northeast. John called to give us the chart position of the album, a disappointing 16. We drove up the M6 to Carlisle before taking the A road east towards Newcastle, which was looking particularly grim. Closed up on a late Sunday afternoon. I've never been to South Shields. We were staying in the Sea Hotel, which from the outside looks like a fish and chip shop. My room, 114, was okay though. I even had a four-poster bed. Ian and Tim were driving round the go-kart circuit in the amusement park across the road. We went for a walk through the arcades and past the Helter Skelter to the beach and I stared out across the slate grey sea in the general direction of Sweden, thinking, what in God's name am I doing here? It definitely is a curious way to make a living. Probably the best moment of the day was a TV programme about the seven wonders of the world, which I stumbled upon around 8pm. Unfortunately, I'd missed most of it, but managed to catch an examination of the archaeological arguments for and against the existence of the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. There was an account of the rediscovery of the temple of the goddess Artemis, who had been worshipped for over 7,000 years by the Hittites, the forerunners of all Western culture, who were converted to Christianity by none other than St Paul himself. I was forced to abandon this fascinating programme in order to go to Victor's, a Sunday night rock club in the town centre. Ian and I did the honours for the 20 or so people interested in having our signatures while we consumed free drinks and tried to make conversation over the deafening rock music blasting out around the room. Even the kids couldn't understand what we were doing here. Everyone was asking if we were coming to play the North East when we tour. I had to confess that it seems unlikely. We already have the September tour dates confirmed and the nearest will be Leeds or Glasgow. The club doesn't have a late licence for Sunday, so at 10.30 everyone was thrown out and we returned to the Sea Hotel. By now I was several sheets to the wind and so when I noticed a table full of people sitting in a circle like a religious discussion group, I waded straight in there and joined in. There was an Iranian called Emir who was planning a Channel 4 documentary about Geordie culture. 
I ended up giving some sort of speech, although I can't remember what I said, that took in everything from Nebuchadnezzar to Tears for Fears. They eventually all got up and left, and I found myself out in reception, talking to two Sikhs, bearded and turbaned. One was from the Punjab, the other was born in Zurich. I asked him if he knew the Rusley Hotel, but he said he left there when he was still very small. They both agreed that I looked like a hippie from Goa and that I should go there and check it out. They said that South Shields is in the Guinness Book of Records for having a stretch of road with more Indian restaurants per square foot than anywhere in Britain. That did it. Tim called a cab and we went out for an Indian. It turned out that the aforementioned road was less than half a mile from the hotel and was indeed lined with more Indian restaurants than Delhi High Street. I had chicken tikka masala, which was invented in England. We walked back up the road to the hotel in a slight drizzle of rain. When we arrived back, the night manager offered us a drink, but we weren't up to consuming any more. Went to bed feeling hazy and sad. And we're back, and and a, a nice little three-day little jaunt there. A little little bit of Nottingham, a little bit of um, North Wales, Liverpool, and then across to uh, South Shields, and I guess back again. And quite a well. There's a couple of questions that come from it. It's quite a fun-packed few days of diary. Um, and I lived I lived in Washington for a few years, um, so I know South, South Shields very well. And South Shields is a fairly unusual place. Yes, uh, curry houses. Yeah, everywhere. Yeah, just just oh, just yeah. everywhere. Um, and but yes, I, I know what you're saying about South Shields because it is a bit it is a bit a bit strange. But I've got two very quick questions because um, we haven't got a lot of time left uh, for this week. Firstly, you happen to mention about Ian's fascination with birds. Mm. Particularly parrots, I think you mentioned, but just a general fascination with birds. Is that still a thing to this day? Yeah, he is um, Dr. Doolittle, really, Ian. He's, um, he loves I his... could so see him as Dr. Doolittle. <laughs> <laughs> he loves his creatures. Um, he loves his flora and fauna. Um, you know, he's got his two dogs that he adores. He's always had a dog. Uh, when he was younger and single, he had an African grey parrot that he often talks about. So he knows all there is to know about African greys. Um, and he's just generally interested in living things. And somebody did ask him at a convention a while back, um, if you weren't in a band can you in your life have taken a different path? What do you think you might have been? And his his reply, to my astonishment, was he, he could he, he thought he might have been a vet. Wow. Um, so that you know, and I was surprised by that because he'd never really mentioned it. But Ian's like that. He he, he mentions some as I've said before. He mentions something to me like once a year, and I go, what, what? You know, you did that. You wanted to do that. Um, he, he, you know, he's got lots of little, little private, <laughs> private. I don't know if they're secrets or just things that he's forgotten. 
<laughs> that come to the surface <laughs> periodically. <laughs> and you go, Christ, I've no idea. How long have I known you? I've no idea you did that. And I go, oh, yeah, yeah, I did. So, yes, yes, he's, um, he knows a lot about birds. He knows quite a lot about creatures in general. And could have been a vet. Yeah. Which, in one... <laughs> Hanging upside down well, <laughs> in the dark. <laughs> the, the doctor will see you now. We're just defrosting him. You see, the first thing you, you, you know, when you first interact with Ian, or for most people, the first interaction with Ian is, is he's on stage and he's beating the crap out of something because he does fairly hammer those drums. He's a strong, physically strong human being, yeah. Mm. That's why I try not to mess with him. That's another no. reason I try not to mess, <laughs> mess with him. Cause it... That and the money. <laughs> they're, a, they're a powerful combo. I, and I just don't, I don't know, I just don't see him caring for gerbils. I, it wasn't the first thing that came into my head. No, no, me neither. But he, he's got the, you know, he's, uh, he's got hidden depths. Mm. Okay. Fine. Uh, and the second question um, that, that that comes from the extract, um, and I could have gone with loads of things actually, but you wading straight into a religious discussion group in South Shields Did and I making mean? yeah and making some impassioned speech, <laughs> um, and, 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 and clearly I'm because you've not read it yet, so I mean I was hoping this might trigger something, but but I think you might have had a couple. At this point in time, but um, there, there was like a table. There was a group, and you you joined the group, oh. and then and then claimed to have made some kind of fairly impassioned speech. Um, you know that 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 kind of went. I think I think it was a little bit rambly in tone. It will have been it an idea have been rambly. Um, um, they probably all took three steps back. The group did break up fairly shortly afterwards after you'd <laughs> inserted yourself into the conversation. <laughs> There's no reasoning with faith, though. That's the thing. No. You know, no. if you believe, doesn't matter what you believe, if you believe, it's like politics, really. If, if you believe in something, then no amount of someone trying to persuade you otherwise really makes much difference. Right. So it's not coming flooding back. Well, if it does come flooding back when you've read the diary, hmm. we'll we'll pick up on it on it next week. Okay. Uh, to see to see if it does. Yep. Apparently, the, this speech took in everything from Nebuchadnezzar to Tears for Fears. <laughs> I, I I'm not quite wow. sure. I'm not quite sure how how you tram you know you traverse that particular line, but you you clearly were quite impressed with yourself. I must have been reading a book. At that um, point, yes, they normally <laughs> don't allow me books, but that I must have got got older one. <laughs> oh dear, he's reading a book. Look out! Um, and then on the back of that, a couple of members of the, the two members of the group that hung around the longest informed you about the road in South Shields with with more curry houses than anywhere in the world, and you buggered off for a curry. Yes, that 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 was incredible. It's just just. Indian restaurants for about half a mile, non-stop. Mm. Non-stop. It's, it, it's, um, it's in the Guinness Book of Records, I think, isn't it? For the mm, most, yeah. most yeah. Indian restaurants in one street. In one street. Anywhere in the world, including India. Mm. Uh, there's more in South Shields. 
Fun, funny old, 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 uh, funny. Funny. Just funny. Just funny, funny. in a good we'll go, way. We'll go in funny in a good way. Funny in a good yeah. way. Yes. Right, well, I think that's about us for this week. Um and uh I'll I'll well we've got to do a, a QA, so we need to we need to stay focused for a bit longer. I wonder if there's a long line of dubbing shops in New Delhi. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, he, there could be. <laughs> On line of fish and chip shops. Yeah. Stretching yeah. into the distance. Yeah. Places where you can go and get those little sets that go around the fire, you know, with the poker and the brush. <laughs> that kind of ironmongery. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what you want. <laughs> I think we should leave it there. Galoshes. <laughs> if, you say, if you say so. Right, we'll we'll leave it on we'll leave it on that. Um and just because we didn't get back to it, but I haven't forgotten. So uh Edward, I'm gonna make sure that H listens to that bit, that clip from TVM, and we will come back to you on it to see if there's any kind of idea where it came from. Right. Uh, so we haven't forgotten, Edward. We'll we will get to it. And to everybody else, have a great week and I'll I'll I guess I'll see you well, I'll for T C D purposes, I'll see you next time. Okie dokie. When uh, when when you when you when you've not got the men in. <laughs> yes, yes, they've all left. Um, well, see you soon, folks. Thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing, and uh, stay purple. Woo-hoo. Anthony Short asked me. To try and recreate what we played On the midi gloves To Lorraine Kelly Off the telly Thank you David Young Thank you Ian Thorpe Ain't it great to be purple Thanks everyone for subscribing I'll see you all again next week Except that I won't But I'll yak at Nothing rhymes with yak at Black at you Back at you thanks for listening to the corona diaries it featured steve hogarth with the insights and me and short with the questions if you enjoyed the podcast please consider subscribing and maybe leaving a review as this will help others find it you could even share with other like-minded souls should the mood take you this has been an a short stories production <laughs>